0: This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Conquest today. And as always, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. More cancellations, and they came on pretty strong over the past couple of days.
1: Yeah, it's, it's breakneck speed. So the week began with Carnival Cruise Line announcing they've canceled all cruises until October. And this comes on the heels of other major cruise lines voluntarily suspending service until September 15th. Carnival took this measure one step further and extended the pause in service for an additional 15 days so when the ceo of carnival corporation arnold donald was asked when he thought cruising might begin again his reply was and i quote i wish i could give you a date but we can't he went on to say when society is starting to social gather again then we can begin to talk about cruise and over at royal caribbean they are following the majority and suspending their cruises up until september 15th however Their Bermuda cruises are canceled through October, and also under the Royal Caribbean umbrella, Celebrity Cruises and Azamara have suspended their departures through September 15th also.
0: So on Friday, so, you know, a couple of days before everyone started announcing, Clea made the initial announcement saying we're going to extend out to September 15th, but it took Carnival a couple of days, then Royal Caribbean one more day after that. You would think everyone would be on the same page, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the word voluntary um, played a part in this. You know, it, it, sure. it wasn't a mandate mm-hmm. as far as I remember.
0: Yeah, it's just weird because like— With Carnival and Royal being a CLIA member, though, you would think everyone would kind of be on the same page and announce at the same time, but they didn't. So here we are. So Virgin Voyages says they could start offering testing.
1: Yes. And Virgin Voyages has begun to reveal little bits of what they're calling their Voyage Well Health and Safety Guide. So with plans to begin cruising late fall, Virgin has set up a team of health experts organizations and biotech companies and it's this team's job to establish the protocols to try and keep everyone healthy while cruising of course so one of the team's first priorities is to work with medical testing developers and come up with a reliable and quick COVID-19 test and of course this is to ensure that those who test negative are the only ones that are allowed to board but you know that's that remains to be seen how reliable this will be they could be quick but Before and during the cruise, there will be advanced cleaning tools like fogging and UV technology. They said all luggage and staterooms will be fogged before guests get to their stateroom. And uh, to accomplish a lot of this, Virgin Voyages is partnering with a company called Atmos Air Solutions. And they're supposed to be able to bring fresh air into all staterooms and public places and at the same time filter out 99.9% of airborne bacteria and viruses. They're gonna use the thermal cameras like everybody else is saying they're gonna use at embarkation and during the cruise, of course, checking for temperatures from everybody. And as for wearing masks, the cruise line said they will follow whatever guidance is recommended on land. And they stated, if people are advised to wear masks on land, we will do so at sea as well. And since their ships are designed without the traditional buffets, that isn't even an issue.
0: They're going in the right direction. Like, I think they have been the most forthcoming out of all the cruise lines. Everyone else is saying, yeah, we're going to put some air filters in, use thermal technology. But I think Virgin is kind of leading the way here. And it's nice to see because they're a brand new cruise line.
1: Yeah. And I think they're you know, right now, they're really just working with one ship. You know, the uh, Valiant Lady is, is not ready yet. So, they, you know, this is like the test set, the guinea pig ship, really. And they could probably implement. All sorts of, um, you know, top level technologies for health and safety because it's just one ship. It's not, you know, it's a tiny (laughs) fleet of one.
0: And last Thursday, Carnival Corporation had their second quarter earnings come out, and they took quite a hit, like four billion dollar loss. But buried in there, towards the very bottom, it said they are they've already actually sold a few ships, and one of those ships is the Costa uh, Costa Victoria, rather. Um, that one's going to what a shipyard over in Europe,
1: right? That's what they said.
0: Which leaves five more. Any clue which ones?
1: Well, while an announcement has not been made that names the ships involved in the upcoming sale. Arnold Donald defended the rumor about fantasy-class ships being first in line. He said that fantasy-class ships are really popular, and he basically doesn't want to mess with success. And it's also rumored that one of my favorite ships, Holland America Mazdam, might be sold in the near future, too. So we'll just watch and see what old ships are going to leave and either go for scrap or some second- or third-party cruise line.
0: Boy, Carnival's messaging sucks because if you go on any of the brokers' websites out there, that's where these people, the cruise lines go to list ships they want to sell. You'll see like three fantasy class ships out there, some other cruise lines, uh, Royal Caribbean ships, uh, celebrity ships are on there. Fantasy's definitely going, which is sad because it's one of my – it was my very first cruise in the mid-90s. Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah.
0: Me too. A port executive in Nassau gave a pretty bold statement of what can be expected when cruising resumes to Nassau.
1: Yeah, so um, he was at a meeting. So officials in Nassau are, are of course, warning local businesses, especially those in the downtown area, that, of course, this is going to be a tough year without the cruise ships bringing in passengers. And it was mentioned that when ships finally return there will be two scenarios playing out. One, of course, there will be fewer ships arriving and they'll be carrying fewer passengers. And the second uh, idea expressed was that passengers who want to go ashore may have no choice except to visit NASA as part of an organized ship shore excursion. So, you know, sadly enough, passengers won't have the chance to simply browse the shops along Bay Street or a little bit off of Bay Street. And the reason given is, of course, the cruise lines don't want their passengers to mix and mingle ashore and then possibly return to the ship with the case of coronavirus while in Nassau. But either way, you know, it just doesn't bode well for the shop owners and restaurants and even the Nassau-based tour operators, mm-hmm. and I would guess for at least the rest of this year.
0: I mean, it's important to say this is not set in stone. This is just what the port executive said at a meeting yeah. earlier this week. But It's just... Just a prediction. Yeah, but it it could could come to light. And it looks like your former home port is getting one more cruise ship.
1: I know. So um, MSC announced last week they're going to be moving north to the Space Coast to Port Canaveral. Um, And it's interesting to note that the Italian-themed cruise line never had any of their ships home ported at Port Canaveral. So originally, um, MSC Divina was going to be their first ship there, and that was going to be March of 2021, But this week, they've sort of sped it up a little bit, and they've announced that this coming November, MSC Seaside will move up the coast to Port Canaveral, and then that ship will claim the title of first MSC ship to offer cruises from central Florida. Um, MSC Seaside plans for three four- and seven-night cruises out of Port Canaveral through March of 2021, and then when Seaside leaves, that's when MSC Davina will still move up and take Uh, Seaside's place with the same itineraries and departure schedules and The ports offered um, from Port Canaveral will be Grand Cayman, Cozumel, Nassau, and then a stop at their private island in the Bahamas, Ocean Key Marine Reserve.
0: I was speaking with the PR people over at MSC, and they told me that these ships are going to be doing extended stays over at Ocean Key. So it has me wondering, they didn't confirm if it was overnight or not, if it was going to be like an overnight there, because, you know, they do have the nighttime facilities and everything, or if it's going to be one of those, you know, double dips like Disney does. Over at Castaway or Royal Caribbean, does at Perfect Day where they leave for the yeah. night and come back the next morning?
1: Yeah, and, and you know, when, uh, when they're doing this in the wintertime too, it'll be darker earlier, so they'll do their light show. Mm-hmm. You know, they could, they could book it out of there by, uh, you know, 10, 10 p.m. rather True. than 1 or 2 in the morning too. So we'll see what their schedule is going to look like.
0: Yeah, I guess it depends on the local, what, like probably the laws and regulations with operating the casinos and opening your stores if you're along the pier or if you have to go out to do that, I guess. There's probably a lot yeah. of you know things we don't even think about. Uh, so let's see here. <laughs> Ellie has our listener question this week. Email yours to Doug at cruiseradio.net. This one's right up your alley, Sherry. Uh, what are the top three things to do in Ketchikan, Alaska? We are in our early 30s and very active.
1: Yeah, well, Ellie, the first thing I'm going to mention, and Doug, you're probably sick of me saying this already. <laughs> Before you buy your plane tickets, make sure you know the travel requirements needed to enter Alaska from the lower 48. Those are changing all the time. But uh, Ketchikan, for active people, well, for anybody, but if you're looking for active adventures, Ketchikan really has a lot of them. Um, and they're, they're not cheap, really, but you can go flight seeing and hike glaciers. Or you could take a float plane into the Tongass Forest and you can go on a forest hike and you could run into bears and deer, Well, hopefully not run into them, but you would see them. Um, if you want to get, you know, your muscles moving, there's kayaking, fishing for halibut or salmon. And there's, there are separate float planes that go into really into bear country where the salmon are running and it's salmon season right now. So if you're planning a June or July or August, definitely find out about where the salmon are running. If you you could hike into where the bears might be. Um, There's zip lines. I know this is more than three, but you know, there's so much to do up in Alaska. And also um, Allen Marine Tours, they operate the majority of the wildlife tour boats. Um, It's a little more tame, but you could always, if they're running, you could take their Misty Fjords and wildlife boat tour as well. But no matter what you decide to do this summer and assuming it's this summer, um, call the tour operators first, or check out visitketchikan dot com, and you can see um, online. They it, it's not the greatest um, website in the world. Their brochure is actually a little easier to to read through. But uh, Ketchikan is great, um, and if you do nothing else, if if money is um, an issue or not an issue, but you know if you don't want to spend four hundred dollars per person to take a flight plane a float plane up to. See, the bears, you can always walk into town from the port. Um, there's just a lot to do that, you know, if, if you just want to take a break from being super active, you can do that, too, and it won't cost you anything.
0: So the three things that I've done that I absolutely love, and they're all pretty random, was the first one was the flight seeing tour in the crab feast um, mm-hmm. at the Ponce Is it Ponce Inlet Lodge? I get it confused with St. Augustine down the street here. It's the George Ponce Lodge or something like that. Uh, And then there's walking down Creek Street and watching the salmon spawn. That was crazy. man. those jokers have some strength behind them. And oh, then, that's amazing.
1: you can just stand at that bridge and watch yeah. the salmon fighting their way up the all street. day. That's yeah,
0: something. and then I years ago I did the deadliest catch boat. So
1: I did that too. Yeah, that was so much fun.
0: Yeah. So there's a there's a lot to do in Ketchikan, and uh, if you if you have a chance, really get off the ship and make the most of your day there because there is so much to do up there in Alaska. And I'm sure once uh, once cruising ramps back up, they're really going to need the tourism dollars. We've been speaking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks,
1: Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa enabled device,
0: ask
2: her to enable the cruise radio news skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from cruise radio. A
0: question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at tripinsurance.com. Not not only does tripinsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So a few months ago, Michael and his family went on a cruise aboard Carnival Conquest. It was a seven-night Caribbean cruise out of Port Miami. Michael joins us on the line. How you doing, bud?
2: Hey, doing great, Doug. Thanks.
0: Yeah, man. Good to talk to you again. So uh, as we always do, we'll take a step back before we actually talk about Conquest. What made you want to take this seven-night cruise out of Miami?
2: So we live up in you know Tampa, so about five five and a half hours from Miami. But the cruises that leave from Tampa are kind of limited, right? Most of them are shorter, four- or five-day cruises, and we wanted to go on a little bit longer. So basically, I just called up my travel agent, and I told her, look, we're looking to go on a seven-day cruise. We prefer a carnival, and we're looking for two cabins this time instead of everybody in an interior. And we could go anytime from January through March. And so she (laughs) looked at all, and basically there was two dates that worked, both in February and same cabins on the conquest and we said okay well we'll go with a cheaper one <laughs> so we ended up with two ocean view cabins on the riviera deck all the way aft you know a lot of people don't realize that the options for families of five because it was my wife myself and our three kids mm-hmm. uh, for adjoining cabins are really limited uh, when you look at those deck plans and you see the adjoining cabins they sell them very specifically so if you're wanting three in one and two in another you kind of have a lot of limited choices
0: gotcha so you make your way to Port Miami. Now you're over in Tampa. A curious question because I've never actually have taken this route before. Do you actually cut through Alligator Alley when you're driving to Miami from Tampa?
2: Yeah, we do. So there's a couple of different ways you can go. You know, you could go on I four across and then you know down ninety five. But usually we, we go all the way down seventy five and across Alligator Alley. And I drive it for work pretty regularly and you know you see a lot of alligators and stuff so i was telling the kids you know oh, keep your eyes out for alligators and of course we didn't see any so but that's just how it goes
0: is it really as desolate as they say like can you go miles without seeing like a gas station or a store or anything
2: yeah pretty much i mean there's one stop about halfway i think and then another one further on on one of a uh, indian reservation that's got some gas and food and stuff like that but it's it's pretty remote down there
0: okay so you make your way to Port Miami. Any pre-cruise time there?
2: No, unfortunately. Uh, my daughters had a dance recital the night before, so we did that. And then we just left early the next morning. I think we left around 6 o'clock and uh, got down to Miami around lunchtime. So you get to Port
0: Miami. How was embarkation for Carnival Conquest?
2: It was good. The parking area was excellent. We got a open lot, not a garage, so, you know, hot Florida sun, but that's all right. Uh, but got an open lot right across the street, so two-minute walk from the ship, uh, walked over at our point in time, which I think was 1230, and basically walked on the ship. You know, of course, go through security and all that sort of stuff, but didn't have to really stop once.
0: Okay, so from curb to ship, how long?
2: Maybe 15 minutes. and most of that was just because of the length of the walk.
0: Not bad. Now, are you platinum or anything with Carnival?
2: No, no, uh, I'm not actually. So I think uh, gold or something like that, you know, 30 cruise mm-hmm. days or more, whatever it is.
0: Gotcha. So, you make your way on Carnival Conquest. What were your first impressions?
2: It's really nice. It's uh, you know it's one of the bigger ships, the Conquest class. Well, bigger for me, anyways. I think this was maybe the largest ship that we've sailed on. And I've done over 25, 30 cruises at this point, but most of them have been on the smaller ones. Uh, so, it's definitely a large ship. Uh, it's really pretty. We liked all the artwork that was all around. And, of course, uh, that beautiful atrium that's got all the French Impressionist motif going on and all that. So, the kids and and us were very impressed with it just first walking on the ship
0: now are you the kind of cruiser that really digs like the joe farkas artwork with the the paintings the motifs and everything or do you like the newer ships that are more like a modern contemporary like caribbean resort
2: well you know actually i like both and i can appreciate both so i'm a big fan of las vegas Mm -hmm. i always joke that You know, I don't gamble because I don't like wasting money on that, in my opinion, anyways. But I love Las Vegas. I love the scene. I love the lights, the colors. So I do enjoy the Farkas look. Uh, I think I like the individuality that each ship has. And though I like the classic ocean liner look and all that, I feel like they can start just having a theme of luxury Mm -hmm. and they all start blending together. So I do like that for sure. But also, I can appreciate the Farkas looks.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you had adjoining stateroom. So you go to your stateroom. What were your impressions?
2: At first was how large they were. I'm Honestly, they seemed very good sized. They had the nice big window that had a little area uh, where the kids could sit in. It basically, just like a, almost, I don't know what's the right word. It's like a little alcove by the window. They could set up their little things in there and all. And uh, it was nice. The bathrooms had kind of been refreshed, I guess, a couple of years ago. And there was the curtain, of course, but that's to be expected. But we felt it was a very good value for what we got for both rooms.
0: Now, just to be clear, you do not have to be a kid to sit up there because whenever I sailed that ship, I had one of those alcoves and I actually sat up there and worked. I typed away.
2: Okay, so I'll I'll admit my wife and I went on an anniversary cruise a few years ago. I would get up there, I'd shut the curtain, I'd, I'd refer to it as the balcony. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> I agree.
0: Fair enough. So let's talk about the dining on Carnival Conquest. There's a couple of uh, dining venues, but not a lot. So we'll start at the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your
2: experience? Yeah, so we, we were in the main dining room, of course, and we had the early dining experience. I prefer that myself. I have done the Anytime as well, but I kind of like having a set time with the same wait staff and everything. Our staff was excellent. Our assigned table was kind of unfortunately tucked away in a corner. I'm assuming they did that because of our kids. I'm not really sure. But they were you know, very well behaved Right, Then they, they know how to act on a cruise ship or in a restaurant. But in any case, uh, it was really nice. And they actually served us very quickly every night. Not too fast, but an appropriate amount of time.
0: Did any meals really stick out to you?
2: You know, we all enjoyed the chocolate melting cake. I think everyone who sails on Carnival does. So we made sure to get that every night had a steak one night that was really good, too. I can't remember the cut that it was. Um, And my daughter really likes the chilled soups, which they're not my thing, but she seems to enjoy them a lot. There you
0: go. And so the buffet, which we probably won't see a lot of moving forward, but how was the food there during your cruise?
2: It was good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Things are kind of changing, aren't they? But yeah, no, the buffet itself was really excellent. Uh, They kept it very clean the whole time. There was no spills or anything like that around. We felt like the food was all overall pretty fresh. We sailed on Paradise last year and felt like this was a bit of an upgrade from that. And of course, you've got the Pizza Pirate in the back there, which my kids really enjoyed. That's always very slow. I wish they would have maybe one or two recently prepared pizza pies sitting there. So you don't have to wait for a specialty pizza. On the other hand, it is extremely fresh. So.
0: Now, I have to ask you, how about Guy's Burger Joint and the Blue Iguana Cantina?
2: Oh, yeah. gotta love those. Even when we enjoyed those, I think pretty much every day we'd get a burger. Um, my wife loves the tacos from Blue Iguana, so that was uh, definitely a highlight for all of us. In the afternoon, we enjoyed getting some French fries from Guy's.
0: Yeah. Good afternoon snack there. Before Actually, you know what? You get back from the excursion. You go to Guy's Burger Joint. You OD on fries. Take a nap. Then go to dinner.
2: There you go. That's, that's exactly what the, that's, that's what you do. It's Absolutely. a cruise.
0: Yep. Well, let's talk about entertainment on this seven-night cruise. What did you think of the shows in the theater?
2: We thought they were really good. Uh, the cast did an excellent job. Uh, they were you know, well-prepared for everything. Uh, they definitely seemed like they they knew their acts. Now, of course, when you sail on Carnival, a couple of times you start recognizing the shows, the playlist productions that kind of go across the different ships. But also on the same hand, we kind of like that. Uh, my kids look forward to seeing the 80s rock show you know, and that sort of stuff. So even though it was a repeat from last year, actually uh, two out of the three shows, I actually say we enjoyed that. We liked it.
0: Do they have country roads on there?
2: They didn't. No, not yeah. this time. Instead, the third one they had was a, uh, a love theme. I think I'm assuming because we were so close to uh, Valentine's Day. Mm.
0: Yeah, they have that one, like, I think it's called like Amore or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that may have been what it was. Yeah. How
0: about the entertainment outside of the theater, like comedy or maybe the uh, the venues playing music, etc.?
2: Yeah, so obviously because we're with the kids and, you know, they're 11, 8, and 6, so we don't get to enjoy a lot of the extra entertainment that we might after a show or something to that effect. But we did go to one of the comedy scenes for the uh, that was family friendly and it was good he I do not remember the gentleman's name but he was fine I wouldn't say he's incredible but he was definitely good outside of that we did stop a few times to listen to the you know, string quartet and were uh, were able to enjoy those I would say however they had some uh, music up on deck and some of that music was it's not a family cruise per se but some of the songs they're playing I was like oh that's not uh, appropriate for everybody to be here Getting edgy there, right? Yeah. Yeah. songs maybe I would appreciate, but probably not something I want my 11-year-old hearing either.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the sea days on this seven-night cruise. How were they as far as crowds and congestion?
2: Yeah, so the weather was absolutely perfect the entire time we were there. So pretty much everybody was out on deck. It was a little bit difficult to find some deck space about midday, but if you got out there a little bit earlier, we could. Uh, we were always able to find somewhere on the back um, above the Serenity decks, so that worked out well for us. But the ship itself handled the sea days perfectly well. There was not really any congestion or anything like that around.
0: I'm trying to think now. The Serenity on this ship is actually—it's in the very back, right?
2: Yeah, you know, the uh, the Serenity is in the back and then they've also got they call it the sky pool, which is all the way aft as well, mm-hmm. and that is at least on this ship, the Conquest, reserved for adults. I don't know if that's the case across other Conquest class, but this one it definitely is. So even though the aft pool wasn't technically all adults around it in the the deck area, uh, it basically was simply because the yeah. fact that the pool was reserved for adults.
0: Yeah, Carnival. Uh... Pride has that back area as Serenity as well as the fantasy class ships but kind of different because you're used to the Serenity at least on the bigger ships being, you know, front and top. Mm-hmm. So, a little different there, but uh it all worked out for you. It sounds like how about as far as like lines to eat and everything on the sea days?
2: Yeah, everything was pretty good. We made a purpose to get there slightly early for like lunch for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know as as typically happens the barbecue would become really crowded around you know, noon, 1230. But if you got there a little bit earlier, it was totally fine to get in line right before they opened. And then for breakfast every day, we actually ate in the restaurant instead of the buffet. My wife prefers that, and and I'm perfectly fine with that as well.
0: Now, you mentioned that you don't gamble, but as far as the casino, I know you have to walk through it to go from point A to point B, nine times out of 10 on Carnival Conquest. So how was the
2: smoke situation passing through? It was slightly noticeable, I'd say, but it was not bad. I mean, I think a lot of that depends on maybe the time of day you're going through, right? If you're in the late evening, it's probably a lot of smoke here. But during the regular day, I don't really remember noticing anything at all. So on
0: this seven-night cruise, you went to Grand Turk, St. Thomas, Amber Cove, and San Juan. Go ahead and give us a highlight from each port.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So first stop was at Grand Turk, and we did the Grand Turk sightseeing like tram tour that goes around the islands. You see all the main sights, uh, mm-hmm. which yeah, it's a small island. There's not a whole lot to see. Uh, so we really enjoyed that. The price was very affordable, too. I think for a whole family of five, it was like $75 um, for most of a day. And we got to see the donkeys and all that yeah, sort okay. of thing. So that was a lot of fun. Then after lunch, we just hunted out at the beaches right there by the cruise ships. Next stop was in San Juan, which we were actually really surprised. We kind of thought the kids would not be so interested in seeing the old town and all. But in fact, they were. We just got off the ship, and uh, I think we we docked around 1 o'clock. And Walked to the fort, spent some time there, walked through town, got some pastries called Mallorca's, this little pastry place um, in the old town. Then just, again, continued walking around the old town, seeing the sights, had dinner, and went back to the ship. And I think that was almost the kid's favorite day, which really kind of surprised us. Uh, The next stop was in St. Thomas, which, as you were, has a gorgeous sail in and sail away. So you you can't miss that if you're going to St. Thomas. We were supposed to dock uh, over at Crown Bay but actually ended up at Haven site instead. So that kind of changed our plans. Um, But we just planned a beach day. So we went over to Sapphire, uh, Sapphire beach or Sapphire bay. We were going to take a taxi, but then I decided, well, let's, let's take one of those little, I think they call them the, Jungle buses or something like mm-hmm. that, they're the local buses, they're supposed to be a dollar. But we found out that when a ship is in port right there, you can't exactly catch them at the dock because everybody was trying to pick up you know, lots of passengers instead of just you know, one family. So instead, we, we kind of walked a little bit. And then I think it was just a gentleman who decided he could make a couple bucks by taking us to the beach. So he stopped <laughs> and uh, and I paid him $15 and he drove us over to the beach. And uh, coming back though we, we just took an official taxi back to the dock. Uh, That was a great day. I would highly recommend the Sapphire Beach. It was beautiful. uh, Just incredible. Nice little beach bar there that we purchased lunch at. Uh, And then our last stop was in the Dominican Republic at Amber Cove. And there I actually hired a private tour. So you have to walk outside the gates of Amber Cove to access them because, of course, it's owned by, by Carnival Corp. And that worked out really well. It was a private little van for just our little family. They spoke English extremely well. They told us the history of the area. They took us up to the the sky ride that takes you to the top of the mountain, to a rum factory, to a Larimar, which is a stone factory, and then around the town to see the historical sites. And then back to the ship. I was a good value for all of us and we really got to see pretty much everything in the area. If I were to go back there, I think I'd want to do the the 27 waterfalls. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. Mm-hmm. But for the younger kids, they I was told that probably wouldn't be that appropriate for them to be able to do all that hiking and all that sort of stuff there.
0: So with Amber Cove, did a lot of folks who I interview have said they don't really feel comfortable going outside of the gate at Amber Cove, how was your comfort level walking outside the gate?
2: Oh, really well in fact. So yeah, I'll comment on that. I mean, Even if I had just taken a taxi, for instance, and not Mm -hmm. hired the guide, I still wouldn't have felt comfortable. The town itself, the government, I assume it is, is putting a lot of money into. A lot of the buildings were being painted and spruced up. Uh, When we were walking around the town, even though, again, we had a guide with us, I didn't see anything that would be questionable or, or make me feel concerned at all.
0: And back to San Juan, you said you went to the pastry restaurant called, was it Mallorca's?
2: I believe it's called Mallorca's. The name of the pastries are Mallorca's, and I think that's the name of the pastry shop as well. Uh, They're only open until, I think, 3 p.m., so we docked at 1, and we had to get there pretty quick. My wife and I had eaten there about a year before we had been in town, and so uh, we were able to enjoy that and wanted to bring the kids there. They're kind of like almost like a a homemade donut, I guess, with cheese on the inside Mm -hmm. or plain as well, and they have powdered sugar all over the top.
0: I was wondering because a lot of people talk about that place and I've never actually been myself. I always go to the uh, – I think it's called Barraccino's where the original pina colada was made. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably butchering the name but I always go there as kind of like my staple stop in San Juan. But I'll have to try uh, Mallorca's there next time.
2: So, Oh, yeah. You definitely want to try it out. It's delicious.
0: Yeah. So you make your way back to Port Miami.
2: How was disembarkation? Great. It was no problem at all. We uh, were assigned a later disembarkation which was totally fine with us. So We were mm-hmm. able to – you know, grab a breakfast for the buffet that day and hunt around for a little bit. The weather was not nice. It was kind of cloudy and overcast that day, but uh, we just waited for our numbers to be called and almost literally walked off the ship. There really was no lines or anything like that. It was really excellent.
0: Any first time tips to offer anyone either sailing the Eastern Caribbean or Carnival Conquest?
2: Yeah. So I would say if you're on a Carnival Conquest ship, I would prefer a higher floor simply because if, if you're aware, Doug, you know, you've got that that second restaurant that's situated right in the center of the mm-hmm. ship. Right. And so if you're below that, you kind of feel like you're going up to go down. You, you see what I'm saying? So you, yeah. you'll walk up three flights and then have to walk down two <sighs> because the other side of it, just to go around to that uh, restaurant. So, you know, it's not a big deal, but it would be a, if affordable or anything like that, of course, if you were a little bit higher, you wouldn't be experiencing that at all. And then for the Eastern Caribbean, you know, I, I'd say uh, going in the winter, of course is perfect because the weather is, is really excellent. Rains a lot less, but of course, you know, um, you know, no hurricanes as well. Yeah.
0: We actually flew down to San Juan and St. Thomas in January. And I mean, talk about just the perfect time to be down there. You know, where back in Florida, at least here in Jacksonville, it was like in the forties and getting down to the upper twenties at night. So it was nice to be, you know, tooling around in the eighties for a couple of days at least.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's just so beautiful down there. You know, it's well worth the cruise. We want to do the Western Caribbean sometime with the kids as well because mm-hmm. you can go to Belize and all that. But this was really an excellent uh, family trip for us.
0: Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise?
2: You know, being on this th- different ship than previously because we've been on three cruises with the kids and uh, two of them were on Paradise. So this was a, a nice change for them. It's so much bigger. And uh, just the decorations are really interesting. They're all over it. So that was definitely a highlight. Uh, Having the two cabins for me was definitely a highlight as well. Um, Not all of us in one small interior space.
0: Going to throw you a curveball here because I know you have three kids. Uh, What are your thoughts cruising post-COVID? Are you going to take any extra precautions? Are you going to wait at all? Or give me some feedback here.
2: Yeah, you know, that's an excellent question. Um, In fact, friends of ours have asked us the same thing. As you're aware, uh, from past interview, one of my daughters is a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. She's doing great now, and her immunity is all back to normal levels at this point. Uh, so we are acutely aware of these sorts of diseases and, and infections and all that sort of thing. And so, I would say our only additional precautions would be, you know, washing hands better, uh, that sort of thing. But no, we're not overly concerned with that. I think the ships do an excellent job keeping everything clean and mm-hmm. doing the best of, to their abilities. So we will go on cruises and I would book one, you know, August 1st, if I could. Oh,
0: nice. I have one on August 1st. I'm just curious if it's going or not. So I guess we'll have to mm. stay tuned and see if that's going to happen. So uh, final thoughts of Carnival Conquest.
2: Yeah, I would say absolutely consider it. If you're looking at maybe a cruise out of Miami, it's definitely one to think about. It's a nice size ship. It's not as huge as a lot of bigger ones, but it is definitely – a excellent vessel, and I would sail it again.
0: Michael, thank you so much for sharing this review, my friend.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Doug.
0: All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. ba 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 da, ba, da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network,
2: Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.